0: Hi, welcome to The Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at The Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. I thought, you know what, what what will this week, this weekend's parable be? And I thought, you know, I was dreading it because at some point in time, you're going to have to, 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 you know, tell the the parable of the prodigal son, which has been preached a million times in different ways. And and it's one of those parables that even if you're an unbeliever, if you don't know, somehow you've heard about the prodigal son. And so I thought, that's what it has to be today. It has to be the parable of the prodigal son and his brother. And uh, we're just going to watch a a wee clip here which will set us up for a short message. So would you watch this and then we'll carry on. chapter 15 there are three parables and they all follow very closely the same theme and I thought that instead of reading through the chapter that would be a summary of the parable of the prodigal son in a a nutshell. So it presents the parable briefly but there's so many elements within this parable that all communicate quite a powerful message and we're not going to be able to cover them all this morning. So we're just going to be looking at a couple of things, but particularly the heart of the Father in this parable, which is which is really important. Um, the other two parables are the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. Has anyone ever read them? Parable of lost sheep and the, the parable of lost coin. So, you know, if you were to take a step back and say, okay, quick summary of all of these parables, parables here it goes. Something that is um, valued, something that is loved goes missing. Then there's a very intense search for what's been lost. And then there's great relief when it's found. And everyone has a party and celebrates the end. And that would be a, we could all go home. Uh, or We could go up and have tea and coffee. But it would, it, 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 it's to our advantage to dig a little bit deeper to find out what was actually going on here. And the parable of the prodigal son differs a little bit because the, the son, some many of us will identify with this, he kind of predetermined to get lost. You know, he kind of, you know, it's he, like, I'm, gonna, I, I'm, I'm making up my own mind now. I'm, I'm going away and I'm going to go and do my own thing. But this parable is so much more than just about a young man that decides to leave home. There's much more to it than that. Because there's an older brother to the older brother. And, um, you know, in, in any situation that you're in, it could be, you know, we can replace brother for sister or whatever. You, you understand that. So there's the older brother. There's the father. And then there's a couple of other players in the chapter as well. There's There's a citizen of the country where the young man goes to. And it um, sounded like he was maybe a farmer because he gave the boy work um, to feed the pigs. And then there's the servants who are back back at the ranch, back at his, his father's home. That's where they are. And so like, there's a few things we could look at. You could look at the younger son this morning and his kind of entitlement. He was, you know, I want my inheritance early. I want you to the early division of your estate dad okay here I am I'm asking for it right now so that he could go on a wander as we all we all know what that term is in Scotland The go on a wander and make merry and the father amazingly you know he could have resisted and gave the boy a million reasons why he shouldn't leave and all of this but yet He gave his son life-sustaining resources so that his son could go and do this thing. Think about this carefully because the boy was young. So how many years would the boy have had to still live? Possibly decades, yeah? And his father parted with as much as he had to keep his son in living a decent life, so it must have been a lot, it must have been a lot, and the word says that he went away, the boy went away, and he had a riot of a time, he had a, he had a riot, a riot of a time, and the word says he was completely unrestrained, uh, and listen, I, I've been there, money, money goes through your fingers faster than water, you know, and unrestrained living, you just, you know, you're just going to fulfill every desire that you've ever had, and you want to do it now, and like, I'm not waiting for anything in it. So, he, the son goes away to have a riot of the time, and whilst, you know, reading through this parable, I'm like, you know, if I'm honest with myself, I just see so much of myself in the prodigal son, seen that in my past, and I think all of us can hook up a bit of our character with the prodigal son. So that's the, the the younger the younger son, and then there's the older brother, and he's, he'd he also had an entitlement mentality, but it was rooted in pride, and he was the one the good old saying you've been hard done by. He was the one who thought ah, you know I've I've been hard done by here. He was absolutely mad with his father. He was angry. Of course, you know the story. The son came home again. The younger son came home again. And the father killed the fatted calf and was rejoicing, but the older brother was full of rage. And um, it's another example, really, of what Francis shared with us a couple of weeks ago with the workers in the vineyard. What happens to the attitude of our hearts? when someone else who we think is totally undeserving gets blessed and celebrated above us. And it's kind of the same thing, as the the parables have got so many common threads. It's like, you know what, he doesn't deserve, he doesn't deserve all of this. And there's a shadow here in this older brother that kind of resembles that Pharisee spirit. That, you know, I'm the dutiful son, I'm the faithful son, I'm the one who stayed here. I'm the one that's loyal. And, and 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 you know so and so he goes off and has a great time and I'm left behind. I'm faithful. I've been faithful to you. But this this brother had no compassion. He had no compassion for for his for his own brother. He had no compassion for his dad. He just was completely lacking in compassion. And and A lot of us, I think, have been there. If you're a a sibling, (laughs) sibling rivalry is a very real thing, you know. Um, And especially if you're a middle child. You know, the middle middle child syndrome comes up. Um, And and I can testify to that so much. I really can. But I think we need to look at the nature of the father. He's long-suffering he's patient he's totally devoted to his family and not just for the younger of the sons the amazing thing is for the elder one too somehow this this man did not lose his cool with the old with his older son and that is grace that is like such grace and and you know, it's grace all around them. I had the opportunity to mention this week that it's God's grace that leads us back home again. Yes. It's God's grace that makes a way for us to walk back to that door and walk through it. It's, it's always God's grace. And this father, he's like full of grace, full of mercy. So I'm thinking there must be some valuable lessons to look at with this father and his character what can we take from about it? What can we think about that could help us to make some changes in our lives that will help have a transforming effect, not per, not on us per se, but on the people around us? And I think about the struggle, at, at fathers, and I'm going to spread this out, Mothers, mothers, fathers, parents, think about the struggle that someone who's a parent or a guardian or a carer or a grandparent, whatever the case may be, they go th- the struggle they go through, the commitments that they live up to, you know, th- you know they, they, they live up to the commitments. They make great sacrifices. And yet all of that seems to go by the wayside sometimes. And it's taken a bit for granted or very much for granted. And, you know, you can imagine that he might have thought this, the father, towards his son. Do you know what? You've lived with me, and you've enjoyed everything I had. You know, it's like when Nathan still walks into the house and acts as if it's his. Yeah, He walks through the door, he goes straight to the fridge, and he goes to the pantry. Doesn't even come and say hello. Goes straight to the fridge, goes straight to the pantry to see what's there to eat and drink. I'm only kidding. he, He does that, but he does say hi. Hi, hi, Dad, hi, Mum and Dad. And the next minute, he's 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 looking in the cupboards. And you know what? I love that. I love that. You know what? He, he, and, and I think he does when I'm no there. He goes up to my wardrobe, and I'm sure he, you know, it's like I'm sure I'm sure I had a belt. I'm sure I had a shirt. And I, I my heart is just so glad that, that he feels the liberty to come home. And to avail himself of whatever I have <laughs> can be costly sometimes. <laughs> so anyway, and he might have thought, you know, I was the source of all of that. Yet somehow you felt I was indebted to you for something. That as your father, I owed you more. And here you are, you're left to follow your own plans and they took you to a distant land. Actually, the word says that he joined himself up to a citizen of another country. That's how far away he went. How many of you went further than just a few blocks away when you left home? I went to the south of England. I, I, I mean, I like got right. I went to Oxford, then I went to to Somerset, and I'm like, yeah, I'm really far from home. This is great, uh, you know. And so. You left, you go to your own, to follow your own plans. You go all this way where there's pleasure for a season, but then famine struck. You became needy. You didn't have enough. The supply that you were given dried up. Isn't that amazing sometimes that it's almost like a God's providence that the supply dries up, you know, just to say, to, to turn us, to turn us back, Everything that you had from the source of your father, which was meant for your pleasure, for your welfare, for your well-being, for your good, it's gone. And your means of sustaining yourself has run out. And what do you You're forced to turn to the most basic means of survival. You know, if you've ever stood at the hole in the wall and put your card in and it says, there's nothing here. And you've still got a bus, to, you've got a 15-mile a to get back to your dormitory. You, how, how, you know, well, Just you'll just have to walk. Or back in those days, you put your thumb out to hitch a lift. You don't see that happening these days very much. But you have to turn to the most basic mode of survival. And it's because sometimes we, when we do these prodigal things... The famine, the real famine that we're experiencing is not the simple fact that there's a lack of stuff. It's because we are, we're in a famine of hearing. We don't listen. We haven't listened to anyone else. And then the word says that he eventually came to himself. So the deception that he was under, he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm away, I'm doing this. I've got my inheritance. Everything's gonna be great. The deception that he was under lifted. His spiritual eyes were opened and he could see plainly I'm I'm in a pigsty. I'm actually eating. And you know what? As As a young Hebrew boy, that would have been terrible because, you know, according to their culture, you would have nothing to do with that. And here he is living with pigs and eating what they were eating to stay alive. And unfortunately, it took a series of tragic events for you to realize that where you are, is not where your father wants you to be. So there's a scripture in 2 Timothy 3 and it says there that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Okay, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine. What is doctrine? Doctrine is a means by which we live. We live by certain words, we live by certain creeds, that's doctrine. It's, it's profitable for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Amen. So here's what God wants for us. He wants us to be complete, and he wants us to have everything it takes to be productive, to enjoy life. And where does the inspiration for that come from? It comes from his word. Amen comes from his word. So that's where we find inf- inspiration. You know that tragedy is avoidable. In many cases, tragedy is avoidable. And a good father wants you to avoid tragedy. Now we know that trials and tribulations and sufferings come, but at many times we suffer tragedy unnecessarily. We really do. And so here's the son. His heart moves from being in a sorry, sorry state, okay? He's been totally enveloped in, in, in sin to being repentant. And, and it goes a stage further, and it uses a word that we don't often hear these days, but he's, the word says his heart was contrite. He was, con, he was in contrition. So he was beyond repentant. He was so deeply remorseful that, you know, you know when you say someone is without remorse, it means that there's no follow through, For there's, there, there's no regard for the consequences of what they've done. That's what it means to have no remorse. But when you're contrite, it means that you actually care about the consequences of what you have caused. And that's, that, is, that is something that is a special thing to have as a person. To look beyond just, oh, listen, life, it, it's water under the bridge now. It's like, well, maybe there's still something you can do about this situation. So the son realizes, I'm going to have to eat humble pie. I'm going to have to humbly go home. And I'm going to have to walk that path and hope beyond hope that my, my, my dad is going to have mercy on me. And of course, the father's heart did. And it had mercy and much more besides and I, I always get this picture in my head of the father, because it's a bit like my it's a bit like my Linda. I don't know. If she, Linda's in the kitchen, every now and again she goes and looks out the door. I don't know why. It's just to see what's outside. <laughs> she goes to the bin. We peek. She's walking past the dining room table. We peek. And so it's like, you know, and I, <laughs> I get this impression of this, of this father waiting eagerly for the return of his son. And I can imagine the father is going about his daily business and then he pauses and he looks up and he has a look. And then he keeps on doing what he's doing and something about this, this father is constantly aware that one day, someone his son might come home again. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna get roasted after this. I'm glad Linda's in the crash. So it's not it's not like a psychological thing or anything. It's I don't know, it's just you know <laughs> there's nothing wrong with us. <laughs> so but anyway um He's looking out, he's hoping to see if his boy will come home. One day this finally happens. And the father sees him and he runs. He runs towards his son to meet him. And he the Bible says he fell on his neck and kissed him. And I was checking out what that means, and it was like really kissed him, you know, really earnestly kissed him, you know. You know, he would have been kissing his son and really embracing him. And there was no reluctance at all on the father's part. There were no conditions as, you know, this, this, is, this has been ministering to me this week. You know, he didn't wait to see, to see, I'll wait and see what he does first before I decide if that's acceptable to me and then I'll react. He didn't wait. There was no reluctance And I noted a few thoughts about the the love of this father. The love of the father was sacrificial. And sacrificial love always makes the first move. It always makes the first move. And sacrificial love does not take its cues from the object of that love. So you don't wait to see what that person does before you love them. You don't wait to see if they give you a favorable reaction or a response. Sacrificial love makes the first move. And in Romans chapter 5 from verse 6, it says, When we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, perhaps for a good man, Someone would even dare to die, but God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him, praise the Lord. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God, we were enemies, eh? We were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. God made the first move. God, while we were still deep in that pig pig pen, Wherever it was that you were where we were God made the first move and Jesus came and Jesus died for us he made the first move he didn't wait for us to be good because he'd be waiting until mhm someone said the hell freezes over and that ain't gonna happen but he he doesn't wait for that to happen he makes the first move Sacrificial love moves first to acceptance. Not the acceptance of the sin, but the acceptance of the sinner. Sacri- that's important to know, that sacrificial love moves to acceptance. Sacrificial love moves first to forgive, because for the Father's forgiveness was willingly given. Sacrificial, the heart of the Father moves first to receive you back again. It moves first to cover you. You left your covering. You went You went out from underneath the umbrella, but the Father's love doesn't hold that against you because you're back and now I'm recovering you. And actually, you, my grace was with you when you were gone. So, but you chose to walk out from the covering of your Father and now you're back here again. So, the... the the son says to the father, here I am, dad, but you know what? I realize what I've done. Just make me a servant. That's all I'm asking. I'm just glad I'm not eating pig food anymore. So just, um, I'll be fine. Just let me be a servant. I'll be in amongst the other servants that you have. But the father restores him to complete sonship, restores him completely. So the son journeys from Riches to rags, and then from rags to riches again. The sun, the sun's journey. Go, went both ways. Went to the end of his rope, and there was no knot there to hang on. Fell off it, and somehow got back. And we got to understand the sun. You can, you can understand where the sun was coming from. You know, uh, my heart's to, to, to serve again, to, to, to make up for what I've done. And we understand the importance of a serving heart. All of you are servants here today. We have a wonderful church with full of great servants, full of great volunteers. We need more. We need more. And I'm so blessed. You're You're all blessed when you see how you all are walking in the benefits of the serving hearts of each other. I was totally blessed by worship this morning. I thought it was beautiful. So he says, you know, we don't ignore that you want to be a servant, but God does not expect us to be a, as a hired servant, which is, is different. He made us joint heirs together with Jesus. You see, we're not slaves. We're joint heirs together with Jesus, according to Romans 8. And in Psalms 35, 27, it says, let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause and let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Oh, yeah, just like God just wants to, God wants to prosper your life. So that father's heart, we're just bringing this to a close now, it's compassionate. It remained tender, it could have turned. Turned. It rejoiced over the one who returned. And we, in the other two, the parable of the lost sheep, you know, I thought, man, is this, is this person, is this shepherd actually forsaking the security of the 99 sheep to go and get the one? I believe the shepherd made sure they were secure. Yes. Then he went and he got the one. <laughs> so, you know, if, you, if, if, I'm, if I'm not here next Sunday, someone else will be here. <laughs> You know, but that's the way it is. It's like you think he's given up so much to go and get the one, but the father rejoiced over the one who returned. The father's heart's willing to restore and the the father's heart always remains good. It stays good. That's why I asked Pauline. I said, will you please change the song and sing Good Father this morning? Because I wanted to bring that to you this morning that the father's heart always stays good. And as an, a, an encouragement to you all in this place, and I heard this one time, Pastor Tom was here years ago and we had a men's meeting upstairs and he said something and never ever will forget it. He says, as a man, when you go home, you, carry, you take Jesus over the threshold with you into that home. You're the, you're the man. You're, you're, you're the man of God. You take Jesus with you wherever you go you take jesus over the threshold with you amen and no matter what reaction you get when you walk through that door you be good tender and so much so many times so many times i've done this uh, when I worked in the motor trade, I did it a lot because it was the most soul-destroying. I used, to, Linda, I, I don't know if we were ever close to actually like the right time out here. That was probably it. She goes, I went home in a terrible mood. And, um, you know, and she had the grace to bear with me. So for all of those years, and quite often I'd go in and I'd wait to be re- received I how how often was I disappointed <laughs> It's like you know it's so such a, you know that's that's just the way I'm just fessing up right now that's the way it was and uh you know and so um you know so so many things have I've been turning over in my heart this week and I've spoken to really special people about things and I spoke to a st- complete stranger this week who was one of those who, who remembers home and he remembers how pleasant it is. He misses it, but he's, that's it. That's where it stops. And you scratch your head and say, well, why don't you come back? Yes. Why don't you come back home? And I can't figure that one out. But the Father's heart invites us the, father's, the father gives you an, an opportunity to change your mind about people that you might deem to be less worthy of, or, than yourself. What did the father do with the older son? He says, the, the Bible says he entreated him. He says, come here. I need to talk to you. Your brother has been, was, he could have been dead. And he comes home. He says, I can imagine him saying, son, Don't you realize what has happened here? Don't you realize that this is a cause for celebration? James 4 says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and you do not have. You murder and you covet and you cannot obtain. You fight and you war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. We live in our father's house and he's got all of this stuff and we, are, we want to be the dutiful and the faithful and the, 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 the servant, but God wants us to ask him for what we need. Because you, you ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. And the end of this story here, I want to close with this. The older brother actually became prodigal in his heart. He was under the umbrella of his father's provision. He, he lived on his father's land, but his heart turned sour. And he actually, this, was, this is really telling, but he kind of refers to himself as a slave. And I think that by his own words, he excluded himself from his family Not just because a slave isn't part of a family, okay? But when he was referring to his brother, he didn't refer to him as his brother. He said to his father, that son of yours, do you see the difference? Such a subtle thing. Instead of referring to his brother as his brother, he's like, no, that one that belongs to you, the other one. Can you see how that can sneak into the kingdom of God? Can you see how that can sneak into the church? How it can sneak into your own family and siblings turn, you know, families go through breakups and all of that. But the father appeals to him to change his mind. See the good in this. Don't alienate yourself from being my son because of the attitude of your heart. Cross back over into the the presence of God. Amen. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter.